Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the TES International Podcast with me, Dan Worth. In this interview, I'll be chatting with David Cole, the principal of the British International School Ukraine, about how he and his school community have coped with the shocking events of the past year when the Russian invasion of the country began. From those first early days when Russian tanks encircled the capital Kyiv and how he and his staff had to make a quick escape, switching to online learning to retain as much normality as possible for pupils, to planning ahead for returning to school on the 1st of September with newly installed air raid shelters for company. He also reflects on how far past experiences and leadership helped him cope with the new challenges he faced and how much of it was simply about adapting to the shocking events taking place as best as possible. All that and lots more on the latest TES International Podcast. Hi, David. Thank you so much for joining us for the TES International Podcast, uh, which for what I know will be a fascinating discussion um, for many reasons, and one that I suspect people listening both in the international community and probably beyond will want to listen to and uh, find interesting and, and so forth. So first of all, um, let's just set the scene. Where are you now? You're back in Ukraine. You ha- we have never left Ukraine. Let's make that clear. You never actually left the country, did you? You're, you're in Kyiv at the moment, but you've, you've been moving around a bit, I understand. Yeah, um, I'm in Kiev at the moment. For, at the start of the war, um, in the sort of second week, I moved to um, Western Ukraine in Chernovitsi. Um, I wasn't doing any any use at all in Kiev. In fact, probably putting um, our security and other people at risk because they prioritised my safety above their own. Mm. So the decision was made to move to to Western Ukraine. I stayed there for a number of weeks, but I've come back to Kiev now. Yes, excellent. Okay, well, that's um, so. Yeah, obviously, we, you know, you talk about those early weeks and, and the war and, and the sort of those shocking moments and those days and weeks when the whole world was sort of a bit, sort of just completely just, you know, amazed by what was happening um, in the worst possible way. But let's go back a little bit further than that, and let's, I guess, sort of the turn of the year when the rumbling started coming through and the Americans were sort of warning this was going to happen, and people thought it was the usual saber rattling and it would never actually happen. What was your perspective at that time? You know, from your running a school, you know, how much. How aware were you of those briefings? Were you involved in getting information from, you know, from ambassadors or anything like that? And when did it start to sort of have that sense of, no, we need to sort of, this is, this is quite serious? Yeah, I mean, I think we look back now and I think the, the world sees itself as being na- naive. Mm. I think now, now the Russian regime's made it clear what its intentions were, what was going to happen. We, we know that now. Um, when did it become serious? I think, I think you're absolutely right. From, from January, people went on their holidays came back and that's when the embassies really started making their, um, giving their advice not to travel to Ukraine. That was initially how it started. Um, embassies have got good relationships with with most embassies. They keep us updated. We're an American embassy. We're on their um, warning system. And we were getting them, um, you know, advice not to travel to Ukraine that initially. Then it was, um, then it stepped up a gear and it was, you know, if you can, you know, we're recommending that you you leave Ukraine. And that gradually intensified. Um, people reacted to, to it in different ways. We had some staff, and for, for their own individual reasons, and I respect them, they felt that, that they would want, they wanted to go. So um, in sort of late January, early February, the, initiative, the first staff said, you know, do you mind if we go? And what we did, we arranged for them to work online. Um, a lot of them, we must remember, um, it had a... Had, family pressure from from home, you know, wanting them to come home. And again, I respect that. But the staff were were more um, because of maybe connections with Ukraine or because maybe, um, you know, they just felt this is where they needed to be. They, they remained and were monitoring the situation regularly. And um, as a school, we began making preparations, hoping that we would never have to introduce them. And we actually had an email ready for parents 
And I, and the title I gave it was um, the email we never want to send. Mm. And it, you know, it outlined, um, you know, arrangements. It informed parents not to come to school and, and the next step. What we did, though, as as it as it became um, as the warnings intensified, we 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 looked, we talked to staff, um, you know, advised them to give us as much information as possible about any evacuation arrangements they were making. Um, number of staff said again naively, and none of us thought of it at the time. Oh, I'll fly out mm. because I think. You know, okay. We 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 now know that there were some sources that were um, indicating there would be war, but there was no indication of what it was. And I think if we put put our minds back at the time, it was thought maybe it would be um, an extension of 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 what is happening in the Donbass, so it wouldn't actually affect Kiev and the rest of Ukraine. And mm. um, yeah, hindsight is is a, is a wonderful thing. Um, as it got nearer the um, as as the situation intensified, school did things like we we um, hired two fifty seater. We put um, we put um, a deposit on those, mm. intending for staff to move to the west. We looked at um, housing people in the west um, if if that was their preference. Um, surprisingly, on the day that the that war was um, that the war did begin, um, we, we said right, can we have our buses, please? And of course, they weren't available anymore. Mm. So we had to, um, thanks to our CEO and our chair, who've done an absolutely fabulous job, and uh, we managed to get mini mini buses together and uh, evacuate those people that wanted to leave there and then. Um, so we had made preparations, um, hoping that we'd never have to implement them. Um, credit to the to the staff team, and was was is that within two days, two working days of of the of war being uh, of war commencing. And we got the virtual school up and running, mm. which we'd always intended to do. I was just so amazed and so proud of the team to get it done so quickly. Yes, I mean, I mean, and I might, uh, you know, such a sort of uh, so many things there to sort of sort of delve into in a way about how how what a strange and and surreal and upsetting period to go through. And like you say, the fact you never expect to send an email like that or write one, let alone send it, and yet you had to. And then, like say, the getting the staff out safely. And I, I wrote a piece after I spoke to one of the members of the school, Rachel, about that sort of having to get a train across Europe and sort of, you know, having 30 minutes to get to the station. And that real sense of, you know, world the world is being turned upside down. But, and like you've, you've alluded a couple of times, you know, the hindsight element and, and people being seeming naive now, but at the time, no one could quite believe it. And I suppose, you know, when you look back at that, you, do you, does it all seem a bit surreal? Or did you sort of, how did you as, in your position, did you, how did you rationalise what was happening? And did you just have to almost like shut down and think, right, I'm, I've just got to focus. I can't allow the events to come on to me because it'd be too much otherwise. Yeah, I think, um, well, it still feels surreal. Mm. And I think, you know, you, I th- uh, you know, in the 21st century, you've got an imperialist power, you know, the, c- causing a war in Europe. It, mm. it's, it is still surreal. And, you know, um, sometimes when I'm in Kiev and I, I, I'll go out for a walk and if you if you plan your route, you don't actually see any part, anything related to the war. Mm. It's really strange. And then you walk around the corner and there'll be maybe a roadblock or near near where I live because I live um, relatively close to the to the um to the um Rade and where where Zelinsky um is. There's there's roadblocks where I, a constant reminder, you know, I look yeah. one way, I see that, they look the other way, it's beautiful park. So very strange. But yeah, it's still very very surreal. I think at the time, um we we were we were reacting, we were trying to be as proactive as possible, but it was reaction. And if I can give you an example, we'd established the schools as um, safe havens for staff, any staff that didn't want to be on their own that were staying in Ukraine maybe, 
that but didn't want to stay in their apartment. And, you know, that was a concern if we got um, people who were living alone, that they could come to the school. And it was, we, we did expect, you know, so many of the staff to come there. However, that changed immediately. Most people then decided that we're leaving, we're going to leave immediately. So, you know, we'd, we'd stocked up with food, water, supplies, first aid and things like this. So we had to then react to this this, this change. And as I said, you know, we'd booked 250-seat um, buses. They were gone. Mm. So I would say for the first few weeks, it, we were reacting um, in, in everything we do because the situation changed, you know, almost, almost daily, if not hourly. Um, as the as the weeks went on, though, we, we began to become more proactive. We man, managed to get, um, you know, to, to start looking ahead, to start thinking beyond the immediate. Uh, and now at the, uh, we've always had the commitment that the school would remain open as, you know, or provide learning and teaching mm. and as much as possible be based in Ukraine. And, you know, um, we were open on 1st of September. That's never been in doubt. And the government has actually, you know, instructed state schools to do the same. So I think it was that transition from reaction to being more proactive. And um, you talk there about the, you know, the teaching and learning element and, and maintaining that. And obviously, you know, again, you said about setting things up online, which I suppose is one of the sort of, you know, the strange silver linings of the pandemic that I suspect there was a lot there. You just span up what you already been doing before. But again, presumably a bit harder when also your staff are scattered and everyone's going to be very scared and upset and, and so forth. But so how, again, how did you balance that of like, you know, making sure that the education continued and making it work, but also understanding that it perhaps wasn't going to be that kind of seamless, right? It's 9am, everyone's here because some staff were here, some pupils and families were over there. You know, how did you sort of run through that and make it all work? Yeah. Well, then we had, um, at one point, we had staff and students on six continents. Right. And and I think, I mean, credit to the staff team who were phenomenal. We have, you know, we have colleagues in America, we had colleagues in Australia, so the time zones, they were available. And we had to respect the fact that people may have moved to, to one place that was temporary and then moving again. And um, the staff team were, for their part, were phenomenal, providing cover, providing support, um, parents were understanding as well um, in terms of we, we had to change, um, uh, you know, some of, some of the format, but we tried to keep that continuity. And I think what was strange for the school, when I talked to, we, we, we got, we had fabulous support from the Black Sea Schools group, you know, Steve Priest and, um, Andy and Anchor and, and the rest of the guys, they were absolutely phenomenal um, uh, to, to, in, in helping staff, you know, to move. So they, they, were, they were great. They helped with that. Um, in, terms of, in terms of students, we had to be understanding. We had to realise that it wasn't uh, um, necessarily um, possible for them to access every lesson. So we did our very, very best. But as I said, we tried to provide continuity. So whereas the, the other, school, other schools were talking about the war, and focusing on that, we actually were doing the opposite. You know, we made ourselves available if students wanted to talk. So we had our educational psychologists available and teachers um, were, were ready. But we tried to provide what was effectively as normal a day as possible. And one of the best, or one of the first successes we had in achieving this was when um, our primary assembly, the students um, through student voice said, can we have Star of the Week reinstated? And for me, that was their priority, which was a massive success. You know, they've been through so, so much. Um, to, 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 to have our children focusing on, on their learning rather than some of the terrible things that they'd experienced or they were hearing was, was, a, was a massive achievement. 
Yes, that's great. And and what's the situation now then? Is it is it all still being done remotely, or are there some children actually still coming now coming back into the, the to the campus at all? No, the school school isn't open at the moment. Um, what well, we will open on the first of September. Our international staff, most of them will be will be in their home countries uh, or or in or countries nearby, and they'll do it remotely. Our local staff who many of whom have returned to um, Kiev and to Dnipro, they'll actually be physically in the school. And what's strange is the new normal. Um, mm. you know, our health and safety now uh, includes um, setting up air raid shelters. Mm. Now, you know, six months ago, if you just said, oh, by the way, your school needs to set up an air raid shelter so learning and teaching would continue, you'd be like, are you joking? Is, is this, is this, you're expecting us to, yeah. to carry on? But it is the new norm. And, mm. you know, and you adjust to that um, the thought of of you know children to be even exposed to that sort of environment is 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 horrific, but it's the reality. And um, clearly, we will do everything we can to make sure staff and students are safe, and that's always been um, our priority. Um, however, at the moment, the, the 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 need is we've got families coming back to Kiev. They need to um, they need to you know carry on with their livelihoods. They need to um, to to you know. Um, carry on with them with their lives the best they can and the children need education so we will make sure they are as safe as they possibly can be and as i said from first of september we'll have some students physically in in the school and we'll have other children um remaining online and you mentioned there about how for, for the pupils a lot of the focus was on normality as, as much as possible and actually like you know when they wanted their star of the week thing that was a really good sign that your school life was still very important to them. What about on the staff side, though? Because again, how did you sort of provide? You got staff scattered and presumably very upset, worried, whatever it might be. How did you sort of communicate and reassure them? You know, did you sort of try and hold meetings? Did you give them access to the counsellor, the, the, the psychologist? Again, two because you know two very different sets of people to manage in that regard. I imagine you can't sort of ignore it. Or, not that you were trying to ignore it with the, the pupils, but you were trying to just maintain normality with the staff. I imagine a bit different. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, the the thing is, so we, even with staff, we try we try to make continuity. So mm-hmm. even with morning briefings, um, staff team, the staff were absolutely brilliant again in supporting each other. Um, I used to drop into the um, the local the local staff meetings, and you know the the directors there, you know, just just checking that everyone was okay. I mean, I remember initially, you know, some staff would 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 lose contact with them because maybe they were in something like Baku or. Um, an area that was bomb, being bombed or, um, you know, they, they'd gone down to um, area shelters where the internet wasn't available to them. And those were really trying times, you know, those those days wondering where the person was, hoping for the best. Um, they were long days. However, you know, the joy when you found out somebody had, you know, was safe, are absolutely wonderful. I mean, it, it made such a difference. Our educational psychologists, and we've got two done a phenomenal job. They made themselves available, and and staff also provided that that self that self self help and self support. Um, and then once people got back to the home countries, at that point, generally we focused mainly on those that were still in in transit or in Ukraine. Once the people were back in their home countries, they, you know they could have access to the support services were there, and in in a way we felt. Our job has, has largely been done then, you know. There's still, of course, important members of our staff team, but it meant then um, our resources could be focused upon those people who were maybe in a, in a more um, a, a more demanding situation. Mm. Yes, that that idea of, like you say, a staff member sort of suddenly not being available, not not logging in and not knowing where they are, that, that does sound, you know, really like, again, like imagine 
people listening look around their staff room or thinking of their colleagues and suddenly thinking not knowing where they are, that must have been very hard. It, absolutely. And and particularly when you know. I mean, if you think, I, I, I didn't realise, I was looking on the map um, the other day and I go to a, a market, which is, a, you know, um, about six kilometres from, from my house where I live now. And I looked how far the Russians advanced and it was only about five kilometres from the market. So you're talking 11 kilometres from where I live is how close the Russians got. Mm. And and so when when local staff particularly, they would know that some of our staff were in these areas. Uh, one of our directors was was in 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 um sort of northwest Kiev. And they basically, at one point, there was a lull in the fighting. They just threw as much as they could into the car and they just bombed it. They just they just said it was heads down and, and straight out. Um Absolutely horrific, you know. I, I just, I mean, I, w- I was most fortunate. The most I had to do was a, a scramble to get on a train. And again, our, our security team, you know, and, and this 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 is where you have that guilt, this almost survivor's guilt. You know, I was leaving Kiev because I was a burden to them. And I knew it was the right thing and they knew it was the right thing. But leaving them here was awful. But at least it meant they could then focus on their, themselves and their families. Mm. Absolutely crucial. But yeah, the worst I had to do was, was to, you know, a bit of a scramble to get on a train compared to what other people have gone through. It's absolutely nothing. Yes, well, and, and as you say, the, the the local staff. I mean, again, uh, it's a it's a growing trend, isn't it, in international schools that you have the local staff and the international staff. And again, I can imagine that is that is particularly tough. Like that's a you know, very unique situation. But the the international staff can leave. They can they you know, and the and the local staff have to stay and often go and fight or, or know that their partners are going off to fight. Incredibly difficult. And again, I mean, I don't want to sort of ask the question if, it, if it's a bit too hard but you know do you know you know if the school is going to reconvene are you aware that you're going to be staff members missing because sadly they're, they're fighting or, or sadly being killed or anything like that well we do i mean fortunately i mean um in terms of our, our staff you know touch everything you know every every piece of wood there is mm. we've not had any fatalities amongst staff team we have had um one of our our cleaners her son was killed in the east which was which is just awful mm. Um, but we have got, of course, we've, we've got some students who've actually joined the, the military. We've got um, we've got members of our staff team that have dropped them, joined the military. Um, many of our staff are also working as volunteers, um, supporting you know supporting the military, supporting the troops, supporting um, refugees within the country. So you know that they're firm, they're firmly committed, and you know it is. It's it's great, you know. It's a it's a worry. It's a worry mm. for all the all the staff team. Um, as you know, we've got colleagues in in Nipro, um which is in the in the southeast, much much closer to the fighting than, than Kiev is now. Mm. And of course, there's always worried and worried. And you know, you'll you'll be in a staff meeting and you'll hear the air raid sirens go and immediately you know the meeting has to finish. Mm. But it just it just, you know, your 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 mind goes, you know, and think, right, and I, I know I'll see them. I definitely will see them. But, you know, that worry's still there. There's no escaping it. No. No, I can well imagine. And I think everyone here knows that that sound of the air raid siren, you know, we, we've heard it in films from the old, you know, the olden days, as it were, and you hear it in the modern world and it's still just as piercing and just as sort of sends your blood cold, doesn't it, when you when you hear it? A horrific noise, absolutely. Mm. It's just, it's it's all, well, it's designed to be, yeah, it's it's once once the war's won, as it will be, mm. um, it's, a sign, it's a sound I never want to hear again. Yes, yes, absolutely. Amen to that. Um, and, and sort of... Well, one, I'll come on to the other question, but uh, overall on that element, and the school itself, you said about like air raid shelters having to be built and things like that. So has the school, certainly in Kiev at least, is it 
has it survived unscathed? You know, have you been sort of done, you know, emergency building works to sort of reinforce it or get these air road shelters built? Again, that's something that I can't imagine you'd ever imagine doing, as you said, but you've had to do it, right? So how have you managed that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, touch wood that uh, uh, the buildings have all been uh, have all been un- un- untouched. And um, what what we're doing, we're, we're getting ministry advice. They're, they're advising all schools about how to, um, you know, the, the, to meet certain requirements. So, you know, fortunately, we've got a basement at one of our schools. We've got um, we've got underground car parks. So we're looking at those now. Clearly, when when an air raid um, begins, you get you get quite a lot of warning now. Um, because what the what the, the the government will do if they know that a, an area is being attacked, you know, it could be the southeast, the, the whole area gets gets a warning. Um, so you you get you get notification. There's an app as well that you can have. Um, but these these warnings can go on for you know quite a time until the all clear is given. So when we when we're looking at the area shelters, it's not just a question of getting children so they can sit somewhere. It's so that, that again, learning and teaching will continue. Um, in terms of the, the safety of the, of the shelter itself, these are temporary um, area shelters. They, you know, they're, they're not going to be purpose built. Mm. But we're looking at reinforcement. We're looking at steel frames, sandbagging, and um, things like this. So, yeah, our directors again liaising with the ministry, doing a fabulous job with this. That's really interesting. And I suppose the other thing I wanted to ask them was for you as as a leader. How was there anything you'd done prior to, to give you any form of preparation that you could draw on, or was it all such an, a unique and novel experience that it was almost sort of just learning as you went, as if from the beginning again? Dan, I've told this story before. Um, I came to um, Kiev because it's a school with great potential that, that was possibly underachieving. And I remember meeting with the chair, and I says, Olga, don't worry. I've experienced everything. Maybe not all at once, but I've experienced everything. Then we had COVID. And the Russian invasion. Mm. So, um, yeah, that, that's taught me a lesson in humility <laughs> and don't be arrogant. Um, I think you're up, you, there are certain skills, you know, ensuring good communication, um, providing leadership. I think that's very important. Um, working with people as a team, that's absolutely crucial. You know, um, delegating tasks, all those things that any any leader, you know, that will 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 do as as second nature. But so much of it was new, and I, I, I'm I'm blessed in the in the fact that we've got you know great heads of school, great deputies, directors, wonderful CEO, uh, wonderful chair, um, brilliant staff team, and, and 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 students and parents. You know, and it was a collaborative effort in in so many of the things we did. You know, we learned together. And we shared experiences, we shared information, we shared knowledge, um, ideas. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was. It's probably the the, the greatest challenge I've, mm-hmm. I've ever undertaken. But you know, you, you say it, it, you say uh, you know, as as the school leader, it definitely is is not something you could ever do on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it it has to be, and an, you know, and I would say that the, the school has been successful because of that team spirit that we managed to maintain. Mm, absolutely. And is this your first international posting? Then, or were you previously elsewhere in the world? Um, this is this is about my fifth, I think. Right. Um, so that side of it wasn't wasn't new. I mean, thank goodness me, I'd be quite unlucky if it had been my yes. first. But um, no, not not my first. I've been I've been in uh, you know been to the Mid- Middle East, Southeast Asia, and been been to a number of places. So yeah. that and that that was useful in itself. You know, having that um, international background. Um, and also, one thing, and I don't think I've given enough credit so far, the number of organisations that have helped us, Corbis, absolutely fantastic. 
Um, Tess, you know, Tess were there saying, you know, asking, offering advice. We had so much, so many offers of advice from individuals, schools, organizations, and people like Colin Bell of, of, of Corbis. Mm. Um, we had people, you know, MPs contacting those embassies, the British embassy. Um, yeah, it was a real network of, of, of collaboration and mutual support. And, and I, you know, I coined a, 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 a term, I said, you know, many, many whispers make a roar. And all these individual contributions as offers of help and support, or even people just writing in and saying, you know, are you okay? Is anything we can do? Or we're thinking of you. All made a difference. And one thing I learned that, and I think Ukraine knows this, and um, is the importance of morale. Mm. You know, absolutely phenomenal to keep keep this, keep you know people's spirits um, high, keep your morale up, and um, keep that optimism. And even though we don't know when this will end, and it will end in a Ukrainian victory, we don't know when. Um, it's looking beyond that. That's absolutely important. And one of the commitments the school made, and we, we've said, you know, we will help, you know, Ukraine endure, and, you know, we'll help it um, um, rebuild, and then we'll help it, you know, develop and grow. Mm. And again, I think that is so important to get us through this, that we're looking beyond this. Our academic year next year will probably be the most challenging that any school, you know, can, can encounter. Um, but we know that, you know, we get through that year, then, you know, the, we, we'll, we'll grow, we'll, we'll benefit. And what we're trying to do this year is, as Zelensky had, I mean, he was inspirational. He went to Kharkiv and he said, um, he looked around and he, everyone was looking at the destruction. And he said, this gives us a chance to rebuild and rebuild better. And we're looking at um, the opportunities, the challenges that next year will bring as an opportunity, as a, as, a, as a chance to do things better, mm. you know. Um, so. Yeah, it's going to be difficult, but um, I'm optimistic. Yes, and like you say, that that sort of spirit of optimism and morale is something that has become very evident from the people of Ukraine, from the people supporting them and, and so forth. And it is quite sort of in a very dark time. It is genuinely quite uplifting. And, and your, your reference to the organisations, again, I mean, it's been clear the support that's come through. I mean, you mentioned, you know, COBIS and I was at their conference in May and your CEO, Anton, was there and there was a standing ovation for him and, and, and as, as a representative of Ukraine, as people of Ukraine, both, at, you know, the, the keynote, at the dinner. You know, we've written articles about how the inter other international schools in, you know, Paris, in Germany, in Switzerland, uh, you know, Moldova, Romania, they've all stepped up, taken, they've taken staff in, they've helped pupils, you know, finish their exams, they've set up dedicated lessons for them. Real testament to that, you know, even after the pandemic and all that hardship that that, that created, another thing comes along and, Everyone's there. Yeah, what can we do? How can we help? As you say, if it's a small thing, but it adds up, it, it's powerful, right? And I think that's that's been a real, you know, the international community, and of course in the UK as well, domestically, you know, we know schools here have done what they can. They've taken pupils and all that kind of, you know, whatever they can, wherever they can help. Again, it just shows us that the education sector is is very giving. It doesn't just stop at the end of the school day or whatever it might be. It's what else can we do? And, and you know, what you've seen there and how they've helped you and how you're sort of has taken the sort of, the comfort from that support, as it were, it shows it all matters a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, you know, UK schools as well as um, European, are, you know, we're indebted to um, the support we've got. And, you know, it is, you mentioned about the the, the Ukrainian people. For me, I, it's humbling. It, you know, I feel I've grown just knowing mm. and watching them um, and learning from them, you know, and absolutely phenomenal people. And, you know, you can see that they've they've already you know they've gone through so much. You know, the um, post-Soviet, the corruption that that existed, um, two revolutions, COVID, um, now a war, 
And yet it's almost like the birth of this nation. You know, as we know, it's, it's got a long history, mm. but it's, it's also a new nation and it's almost going through this birth. And, I, you know, as it looks now, it looks it's 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 establishing itself as a major European country. And, mm. um, you know, the, the war will end. And, and I just see that the prospects for Ukraine is, is, is phenomenal, you know, geographically where it is. Um, the resilience it's shown, the potential it's shown. I, I say this to my Ukrainian colleagues, and they say you're more Ukrainian than we are uh, in that respect, you know, because of because of the future. I see, but I think we all do that. We all look at our own countries and, and put it down a little bit, and other people come and say, "Well, you know, look at the potential." Mm. But I think for Ukraine, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to be here, and I'm very humbled to be, you know, to to to, to work with my colleagues. Um, I, I generally, as an individual, feel I've grown as a person. Um, you know, and I think yeah. that's that's important for me. I look at things very differently. I, in the past, I've I've had almost that an attitude that you know many of us have, and it's not meant in any way um, as cynical. But we we you know we we see there's a um, an appeal, and we put our, we put the ten pound in the bucket and think, well, what a great person I am, you know, mm. look what I've done, and I walk away. And I think it's made me look at look beyond that, you know, that um, and realize that 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 may not always be enough um even if i can't do the but to have more empathy for 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 you know for other people and and you made a good point there the the international community the education community my goodness me has it come together mm. and, I, and and i'm sure that um that's something that we will build on in the future yes absolutely no i think i think you're right and there's a lot of sort of very sort of powerful sentiments there and things that i suspect to other people you know, we'll be thinking about, and, and it's that sense, isn't it? Like you can take life for granted, and then you see what actually. I mean, it's, it's similar to when the, the situation in Afghanistan, in a way, where we, you know, you take access to education for granted, don't you? And you can see how quickly it can be taken away, and for, for your pupils, you know, and those children, it's and it's their future, and you know, and you know, I think it was again when I was talking to Anton at the thing, and he was saying, you know, it's it's what's so important is they will be the ones that sort of rebuild this country in a way, you know, in in the decades to come, and. So they, they need to be educated. They need to be able to do the jobs that will, the country will need. And so again, whether it's school at yourselves or a local school in the country, being ready to reopen September, you know, whatever happens or, you know, within reason, but obviously, you know, wherever they can, they will, really matters, you know, because this stuff lays the foundations. And that's true of education anywhere in the world. But when you're in a country, you know, going through this, it has to be there. And yes, you're going to have difficulties and so forth. But the fact that that's the mantra, very a very sort of, I don't. Want to, it's easy to say uplifting, isn't it, or inspirational, and they sort of words lose some of their meaning. But it is. That's what in this situation. That's, that's, that's what it is. Right. Um, I'm, one of our parents begins to two points. One of our parents, he actually, um, a local a local gent, and he said, um, "Oh, people always say, why do you pay for private education?" And he said, "What the wars taught me is they can take everything away from you apart from your learning." Mm. You know, and 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 I thought that is that just shows the importance, and also you know. Um, Part of the school's commitment is has been to, as, as we pointed out, you know, to carry on learning and teaching. It's vitally important that you know education in Ukraine continues. We've seen we've seen what's happening in the um, temporarily occupied territories. You know, the attempt to to basically rewrite history. You know, wipe out Ukrainian language and culture to to replace it with some some I don't know some monstrosity. And the the the, the but what Ukraine and what well, what children need is that internationalism, that interculturalism, that you know outward looking education, that um you know that the power that that learning brings. You know, to be free thinks to 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 make their own minds up. And and as you said, um, it's absolutely crucial. 
that that learning continues because the the children that are in school now will be that next generation. And you know, when I when I look at uh, Ukraine now, you know, it has gone through a difficult time. You know, we're aware of its history in the past. You know, the corruption, the oligarchs. But as a country, I think that it, it, that will be the change. Mm. You know, there'll be in, there'll be the new sort of people coming through for Ukraine, and and I see that in the in the families that are applying for places at the school. Um, yeah, it is. It's uplifting. It's um, it, it's inspiring. Mm. On a sort of final element of that, then looking ahead to next year, I mean, how do you go about preparing for education in the circumstances, though? Because do you sort of aim? And you sort of suggested that probably you do, but. Do you go for the kind of the standard timetable and the same lessons, or do you have to sort of modify a bit to kind of understand that, that the pupils might have missed quite a bit because of what's happened? Obviously, that was the thing of the pandemic anyway. Or, you know, how again, how do you actually make it work in the scenario you're in, or how are you trying to make it work? Yeah, I was going to say it's exactly the same, but very different. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, all of you know, we are a British school, so that um, you know, great strength is is individual education. So, of course, as if each child will look at um, how we can support them individually, the timetable again for that stability, that normality, um, will be very, very similar to to a normal day routine. Mm. Uh, we're, we're most fortunate that we're going to be working with some international par- partners, Pomoja, Oxford Online, um, Interhigh, um, Freemans. So, you know, um. That they 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 work on a, a British style timetable, so we'll be doing the same. Mm. Um, but again, it's that the, the school this this is this is this next year is not one year and then end. It's just it's it's the next stage on the journey. So what we introduce, we're looking at the longevity. So you know the short term, the long term, and the medium term planning's there. Um, you know we are adapting the the curriculum, which we which we plan to do anyway. The delivery of the curriculum, you know, we don't want. As more schools now, we don't want a child's learning limited by his ge- geographical location. You know, we're, we've got this opportunity now for the whole world to be the classroom mm. and, and working in partners with the support that's been offered from different schools. As I said, Freeman's London have offered um, support for us. It's a very exciting opportunity, um, you know, to, to incorporate that into our sort of daily routines. Mm. So, yeah, exactly, exactly the same, but very different. Yes. <laughs> The final question then, obviously, on this is, is what about like the parent community? Because again, we I've written a lot about how managing that is a very integral part of the international school leader's job and, and you know, other stuff too, of course, um, because of the nature of the fact, you know, it's obviously it's fee paying, but also we know that's vital for sort of good educational outcomes. So, but again, obviously this situation, parents are scattered to the wind. They might be very fearful of their pupil coming into a school again. How are you communicating with them, making clear what you're doing, allaying their concerns or, or questions, whatever that might be? I think again, it's on an individual basis. We try and keep. Um, we we opened a um, um, a, a, a Telegram channel for parents to keep them updated, informed through the website. Um, directors, heads have been contacting families individually. You know, um, we're working through the summer to make sure we're available if people have questions. And um, I, you know, I have to understand. I have to appreciate a lot of our families have not made a decision yet when to come back. And I understand that. You know, mm-hmm. you. You've you've fled the country. You've got mm. your children to think of, um, so they will make that decision when it suits them. So we have to be available for them, keep that communication going. But I think it's providing um, clarity and and almost um, you know stability. So you know, there's no doubt we will open on first of September. Mm. We will provide um, shelters as as you know to make sure your children will be safe. We will provide lessons if you can't come to school physically. Um, then we will we'll provide online. 
Um, so it is working in partnership with the parents, and they have been they have been absolutely phenomenal. They've been uh, in the way they've understood the situation. Again, it's been it's been that mutual support. You know, and um, they understand that the school has as it's not a normal situation for the school, no matter how how hard we work to make sure it is. And we understand that they're having their own challenges. So it's it's that cooperation that is is um, is the key to success. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think overall, you know, it's um, it's an amazing story, um, one that obviously we all wish never had to be told, shall we say. But you know, since the turn of the year, and then well, obviously the country itself, and then obviously you know the school and things you've talked about, you know, what's been achieved and, and that provided that normality, providing education, looking to continue that in the future is is, is very um, you know an amazing story to hear. And I suspect a lot of people listening to this will sort of obviously be so glad it's not them who had to go through this, but also very sort of um, pleased that someone like yourself was there to steer the ship through it for your school. Because, you know, how could you ever prepare for this, right? You, like you said earlier, you can't really. It just happens and you have to react. And it sounds like, you know, I'm sure as you said at the start, there are things maybe you think, oh, with hindsight, we should have done this or if we'd, been, if we'd really listened to the warnings. But people weren't really, it just didn't seem real, did it, back then? But since then, it's been a learning curve. And it sounds like, you know, what has been achieved has been you know, really important. So thank you so much for sharing your insights um, and, you know, best of luck for the rest of the summer and then obviously for that September reopening. And yeah, as you say, when the war is over, let's hope that everyone can maybe come and visit and, and hear more about how the, the, the country and the school continues to grow. Absolutely great, Dan. Thank you for this opportunity. Really appreciate it. And my best wishes to everybody.